Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you that you have a, um, a word for us today, that you have something for us to um, have revelation on. God, that you will just download into us something new that you want us to know about ourselves and, and know about you, God. We thank you, God, that um, when you give us revelation about you, it changes our lives, God, for us. And we thank you that when we have revelation about ourselves, God, it just makes us have a better uh, relationship with you and be stand in awe of you. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So you ever, uh, I'm just going to give you a little uh, inside scoop here. Is when I'm praying that prayer, in my head, I'm praying a completely different prayer. <laughs> so I'm praying a prayer for all you guys. And in my head, is like, God, please give me the words. Please give me the words. Please. <laughs> so anyway, um, no, it's not, it's not like that. But um, I'm just doing something completely different. So I'm going to take a drink here because I'm starting to get a little Barry White voice here. I do that to my wife all the time. Anytime I have a, th- I have a, I, I'm, I shall answer the phone. I'm like, hey, baby, how you doing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. So, um, all right, we're going to go to Jeremiah first. And I really want to talk to you um, about being known. And I was, I put this title together and wh- while we were worshiping, God said, um, it, you need to change your title to um, knowing me and being known. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, that makes better sense. I'm like, thanks, God. Um, so I was really thinking about this and, and thinking about this during the week and, and being known. You know, it's when it comes to like human things, we, we want people to know us and know that we're, we're valuable. We, we, everybody has that in, ingrained in them is wanting to be valuable and having people know that they have value. Um, some people more than others, but some people... Uh, you ever met a person that they just seem so confident and they seem so secure in everything they, they do and you're like, they know who they are, they, ha- they understand who they're going to, what they're going to do and what, they're, what they say they're going to do, they're going to do. Um, but the funny thing is, is you can look at that person and say, oh, they know who exactly who they're supposed to be and who, who, what they say they are, but inside, they're exactly like you and me. They can look confident. They can look like they're bold. They can look like they have everything put together, but inside they're the same as you and me. They want to be known, and they need to know who God is. It's, it's, a, it's across the board. The moment you were born, that's ingrained in you, to be known and to know who God is. Because we're born in his image, and we have something in us, some DNA in us, that is, is straight from God to have a connection with him. But because sin brings it into brings um, comes into our life from the moment we're born is we have a disconnect. So we need we go looking for places to be known and to know different. Uh, to, oh, I need this. I need fame. I need fortune. I need this amount of people to like me. I need this amount of Instagram followers. You know, I was I was thinking about this, and you know, I, if you were on Instagram, you ever been on Instagram? You're looking through my favorite things are the things that go pew pew, and um, <laughs> and I like photography too. So. I'm looking through there, so beautiful landscape, nice pew pew, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm looking through things, and I'm looking at these people, and I'm like, these people have 250,000, uh, million and a half, two million, six million people following them, and it made me start to, to think about this. We all, you know, you ever looked at that, and you're like, I wish I had that many people following me. 
you know, and, and it, you know, you want to influence people. We want to people to know who we are. We want to be able to influence people. <coughs> Excuse me. But I started to think about that, and I started to dive into that a little bit more, and I started reading um, articles on people who are Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook influencers is what they call them now. Um, they used to be called them YouTube stars, and, but now they're called influencers. And these people, they're putting out one, two, three videos a week. They're doing multiple articles. And, and there's such a high, I was reading, there's such a high burnout rate of these people that they're doing this every day, seven days a week, just to put out three things so people will follow them. And the burnout rate is so, is so high that they're just, they're, it's becoming, they're turning into depression. It's coming into different things. And people cannot keep up because they want people to know who they are. They want people to like who they are. But what's happening is they're trying to do this in the way that creates them to be known, but they can't sustain that. And I think in our own lives, we do that. We're not, we're not looking for millions of followers. We're like, how did this you know, and anyway, you, you get a million followers and, and at least three, you know, um, half a million of them are trolls. Um, people who don't like you and they follow you just to, to comment bad things about you. Um, but they were talking about that, how all these people are following them and they're, they're producing this, this content in these, you know, tutorials or whatever they're doing. And they're, they're trying to do this, but they say the negative comments they'll have so many negative comments that it starts to affect their psyche and how they think about themselves. And, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, I would never want that many people to have access to comment on my life. Because what it does is this, is the, out, the influence. And here's the thing. The people who like something will never say it, but the people who don't like something are always going to be vocal. It's always that, it's always that you know, one-third people who are really stupid who like to comment on everything and they're going to comment bad they're going to comment on everything you do and it made me start to think and say how do i become known and know god and it, it really made me look at say okay how do these people struggle to look for external external validation instead of internal validation and you can look at God and say, I know you in our, in our Christian walk, but sometimes we can look in the mirror and not know who we are. Sometimes we can, we can be walking through life. We can go to church. We can say, you know, most of the right things. We can do the right things, but we know who God is, but we, we look at ourselves and say we don't know who we are. And not knowing identity will make you search for identity and everything else and everyone else. And I feel like sometimes you look at, I look at those, those people in the social media realms and they're so desperate for influence and to be known and to be validated that they're going to look for anyone else to validate them besides their creator. And I'm not saying everybody. Uh, it's just, but I see that. And, and God never designed us to be known by everybody. He designed us to be known by him. And so trying to be validated and, and to influence other people, um, you know, it's uh, my favorite thing is Jordan will post on Instagram. He's like, man, like a thousand people like this. I'm like, there's 13. He's like, yeah, but that's a lot for me. <laughs> I'm like, that's my favorite thing because I, I love that because he, he's, not, he's not looking to impress a thousand people. He's just like, I got 13. He goes, I'm good with that. I'm like, he's like, that's, that's, 
that's good for me. And, and that's, uh, that was really cool. That stuck out to me because he said that yesterday when we were at um, a wedding. And, you know, sometimes we can, we can say, I know God, and we look in a mirror, we don't know who we are. And if you've said, looked in, at yourself and say, I don't know who I am or not, there's a lot of times where we don't know ourselves because we go looking for other things to fill that void instead of, of what God is. But if we don't, if we can look in the mirror and say, I don't know myself, and I want to say this, and not in the way of knowing who I am, but I'm saying if you can, cannot look at yourself in the mirror and say, I know who I am for knowing God. I'm not saying I'll look in the mirror and go, who's this? No, that's, that's just dumb. If, you can't, if you, that happens to you, have your spouse slap you and then go back and look in the mirror again. But what I'm saying is looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, who, I don't know myself compared to knowing God. Because knowing God, actually knowing God, and not just like visiting with him, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. You know that, that one relative you don't really like to talk to at the family reunions? Yeah, yeah, you're doing good. That's good. Okay, I got to go to the bathroom. You know, that kind of stuff. Some of us have relationships like that with God. And sometimes it's, it's hey, I know you but I don't really want to talk to you. I don't really want to spend time with you. I don't really want to be in your area of, of influence. I don't really want to be next to you. And then we go and look in the mirror and go, why am I struggling with this? Why am I going through this? And why am I? It's because we don't know who he is in relation to who we are. You know, we look for things, people, and success to fill the the voids. The more that we can get of those, the people that are that follow us, or the more things I can have sitting in my house or my driveway, or the success I can have in business, do not compare to knowing God. To really knowing God, it doesn't compare. So, to know God, you have to know how He knows you first. So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for what of welfare? Not for like welfare, but of good. So, and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. So, first of all, he wants to give you a future and a hope. We need to understand those first. God has good things planned for us. He doesn't have calamity doesn't, you know, we can't pray, well, God, if it's your bless, if it's your will, would you please bless us? Anytime I hear that, I want to just slap somebody, whoever says that. I just, like, that just, like, to know God, you have, to really know God, you know that he wants to bless us, and he wants to provide for us, and he wants to take care of you, and he, okay, if he cares about flowers and birds in the field, and he takes care of them, how much more will he take care of us? Think about it. it, it God, just, if you want to bless us, please bless us, but the, the, you know, the things off to the side, the nature and the birds, you can bless them. But if you choose to bless me, it doesn't make sense when you really think about it. So like a natural family, before you're born, you have an inheritance. So when your parents, um, when you were, uh, your mothers were pregnant with you, you, they, you had an inheritance. It may not have been a financial inheritance, but sometimes it's a spiritual inheritance. Sometimes it's a, it's a, um, it's a, a natural inheritance of just faith and different things like that. But you have an inheritance whether you realize it or not. You may not have money when, you know, when you pass and 
your kids um, have an inheritance. It may not be a financial inheritance, but it may, what it may be, this is a, is a foundation of faith that they can walk upon and that they can stand upon. I think so many people are like, oh, I have to leave an inheritance to my kids. I have to leave an inheritance to my kids. I need to, I need to give this, have this so when I die that they have money. And I'm like, that, that's great. But first of all, before they were born, the inheritance and the foundation should have been faith, should be faith. Before your kids are born, it should be faith. So when the moment that they are born, they are set on a foundation of faith to start off their life. And so Jeremiah looks at God and he says, you know me. He says, you, you have a plan for me. And Jeremiah 1, let me actually find it here real quick. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I, I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. <coughs> so, you've got Jeremiah who in the first five verses of the book, God says, this is what I know about you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So that, that's, the, that's the great thing about this. There, there's, there's, only a, there's a one-sided um, participation in this for us. All we have to do is know God. And he does the rest of it. We, the moment we were born, he already had his side of the, of the bargain and his side of the relationship going. So, when you look at a natural family, your parents, when you were born, they, gave, they started you out with something. You know, like they, you always see the TV commercials, start out your child's um, college fund, you know, and they want you to start it at like, you know, age two or something like that or whatever it is. And, and that's great, but the moment your child comes out, they should have they should have faith put into their their into the atmosphere of where they're at, into the culture of where they're at. And so, what happens is is we want to be known by God because I mean, really think about it, that's the ultimate validation is to be known by our heavenly Father, to be known by who He is. But Jeremiah says, you knew me before I was even born. So Jeremiah is like, wait a minute, if you knew me before I was born, you know my, pl you have the, you know, the plans for me, you know my purpose, you know my calling, you know who I am and what I'm going to, to do. And so he, he understands, he has validation. So if you look at this, heaven saw you before your parents were even born. God knew you before your grandparents were even born. God had your purpose, your plan, your calling before your great-grandparents were born. He knew the changes in the heavenly realm and what you would do for the kingdom of God before your great-great-grandparents were born. And what's really cool about that is if you look at Jesus, Jesus' birth, crucifixion, death, resurrection were all prophesied hundreds of years before he was born. But Jesus begins his ministry, and he goes into the, the temple, and 
if you know anything about that culture, they would go every week, they would read scripture. And what they would do is they would read scripture and they would stop at a certain spot. And the next week, it's, they would pick it up exactly at the, na- the same spot. But Jesus, if you look at it, he, he goes into the temple and he picks up the scroll and he finds a certain spot in the scroll. And he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And Jesus is, is reading from Isaiah 61 and he says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has appointed me for a special purpose. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to repair broken hearts and declare those who are held captive and bound in prison. He says, be free from your imprisonment. He has sent me to announce the year of Jubilee, the season of eternal favor of our enemies. It will be a day of God's wrath. And for those who mourn, it will be a time of comfort. And those who grieve over Zion, God has sent me to give them a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes to anoint them with gladness instead of sorrow, to wrap them in victory, joy, and praise instead of depression and sadness. People will call them magnificent like towering trees, standing for what is right. They will stand for the glory of the eternal God who planted them. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jesus begins his ministry by first he gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on him, gives him power, and then he goes out, but he starts to read these scriptures. And Jesus is saying, my heavenly father knows who I am. He says, this is what I was appointed to do. Jesus says, this scripture is now being fulfilled in me. So Jesus is fulfilling the scripture of what, or fulfilling the prophecy of what God was prophesied about him for generations, that he was going to fulfill this. But he says, this is who I am, this is how my Father sees me, and this is how I interact with my Father. Jesus had a, 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 a really good advantage on us because he was 100% human and 100% God. But he still had to interact with his Father the same way that we did. He, he, he knew who he was, but he also had to interact with his Father. He still had to pray. He still had to fast. He still had to, to interact with God and speak to his Father the same way that we do. But he interacted with him in such a unique way that there was nothing that would stop the flow of heaven to earth. So when Jesus was, was working and uh, ministering to people, there was nothing that was stopping the flow of heaven into him. Now, we look at Scripture and it says that Jesus couldn't do, perform miracles in that area. That doesn't mean heaven wasn't, wasn't coming to him. Is that he couldn't release heaven in the areas that didn't want it. And so Jesus is like, hey, I've got heaven coming I've got, the, I've got healing coming into my body, or into me all the time because I'm interacting with my Father, but I can't release it because doubt and, and faith, faith is not activated in this area. And they don't want, like when they said, hey, we don't want you here. Jesus, please don't, don't come here because whatever you do causes chaos for a lot of other things. And so he's like, okay, fine. You, you don't want it. That's fine. I'll, I'll move on. But Jesus had such an interaction with heaven that nothing could stop him connecting with his Father. I mean, think about this. This man is fasted for 40 days and Satan brings him up on the top of, a t- uh, on top of the temple and he says, hey, just do what I ask you to do. God will save you. And he says, no, I'm not going to. And, and he gets tempted. And I mean, I, after about four hours, I'm like, oh, I need a candy bar. But um, God, you know, Jesus spent 40 days of just spending time with his father. 
food wasn't in the place. There was no Snickers. There was no, you know, Wendy's to get in the way. It was just him and his father. There was no bread. There was no, you know, he just spent time with his father. And I believe that was key for him because, again, he was human. I believe that was key for him to make that connection that was so intimate with his father that he could never, that it would, it would not be broken. And we look at his ministry on earth and how powerful it was in three years. But he, was no, he knew who his father was, and he was known by his father. And by being known by his father, something translated in him so easily that, I, you know, I'm almost jealous that he instantly picked up identity. He instantly picked up being known, and I know who I am because I'm known. So being known by God comes from sonship. It comes from a, a being a re, having a relationship with the Father. Not just, hey, I come to church and I, I sing the songs. And It has to come from an intimate relationship with the Father. It has to come from having conversations, surrendering our life to Him and saying, hey, I'm surrendering everything in my life to you. Not just my Sundays, but every day of my life. Everything I own, everything that I have, Everything that I've done, I give it to you because I can't do it on my own. So that relationship from the Father creates sonship. Sonship allows us to access his storehouse, not just his throne room. So I'm going to say this and then I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit. It says, a guy gave me this right before service. It says, a lot of people come as a beggar to his courts but never pull up a seat at the table for, of the Father. And what happens is, is this, is we, we come to God when we need things. Oh, you're, you're my king, king. Can you bless me with this? Can you bless me with this? But they never come up to the table and pull up a seat at the table and say, I want to know you as my father. There's a twofold relationship that we have to have with our father, God, and that's knowing him as king, but also knowing him as father. And, and I think so many times we, we, try to, we, try to, we try to one-side that relationship. We, we, want to, we want to come to him and say, oh, I need this God, and I need this God, and you need to take care of me. When, when life is bad, or relationships are bad, and work is bad, and everything else is bad, then we come to God and say, oh, King, can you please bless me with this? I need this. I'm, I, you come as a beggar, but you never, and then when it's, uh, when it's good, you're like, oh, okay, hey. But you only come to him when you need something instead of have, pulling up a chair at the table and saying, what's going on, Dad? What's going on? What are you doing on earth? What are you, what are you doing in my life? And I think coming to him as king and coming to him as father are, are both fine. But when you come to him as a beggar, when you come to, as a beggar to the king, you don't get access to him as a father. Not that he withholds it from you, but he, he wants to have a, a deeper relationship with you. He wants to um, have conversation with you. And a king only hears his people's requests once in a while, but a father listens to his children's requests all the time. And I'm not saying God doesn't listen. I'm just saying is, but 
if you, if you look at a king, what does he do? If you looked at, at ancient times, once a year they would, they would come and they would have requests. A lot of times they would have requests once a year and, may, and he would take a day and just listen to all their requests and grant them, deny them, whatever. And once a year for me is not, is not a relationship. But coming up and saying, pulling up the chair and saying, if you're at our house, it's usually feet on the table. Um, you get people sitting around. If si yeah, I'm like, say people sitting on the counter. We have um, a counter. If you have ever been in our house, <coughs> there's an L-shaped counter, and the north side of the counter usually ends up with like three or four people sitting on it. And it's just that's the way it is. It's just like that's a, it's like a bench. I don't know why, but um, people just sit there, and we'll ha we'll be all sitting in the the uh, or standing in the kitchen. And there's just be like three or four people sitting on the counters and we'll just have conversation. But God really wants that conversation to be something of, of knowing him and being known by him. And here's the thing. The kings rarely knew their subjects. But fathers know their children. So a king would know, might find one rare subject and say, oh, man, I really like that person. Bring them into my, into my courts. We're going to train them into be something for the castle or something for the kingdom but the father says you're part of my family i'm going to train you all to be part of my family so god is a king but he doesn't want beggars he wants sons and daughters to come to him and say god this is what i'm what i'm doing this is what i'm going through what do you say because first of all god wants to bless you as a king but he wants to give you wisdom as a father so god, god is not saying oh, by the way, hey, uh, yeah, I grant your, your wish or your request and move on. He's like, no, let's take care of that. Let's fix that issue. But I'm going to give you wisdom how to, as a father, he goes, I'm going to give you wisdom how to stay out of that situation, how to, to uh, walk through life in a, in, a, in a smarter way. So being known and knowing the inheritance that we have are two different things. So being known by God is great, but we have to know our inheritance in order for us to access the inheritance that God has given us. The great thing is, is this, is any inheritance you can possibly think of, any good inheritance you possibly can think of, God has that. Whether it's health, finances, what, spiritual well-being, mental well-being, whatever it is, he has a complete inheritance for us. So Psalm 139, verse 16 says this, says, you see all things. You saw me growing, changing in my mother's womb. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. You established the length of my life before I ever tasted the sweetness of life. So God knew who we were. He knew and established the length of our life. The things that we were going to do. He's already written down what we're going to do in his book. Think about this. That's some major planning right there. I mean, you, you want um, some planning and organization? He's really good at it. Think about it. Every person in this room, anybody that's been related to you, every person that's ever been born, God's written down exactly what they're going to do in their life, how they're going to do it, and how their story reads. So, he knows us so well that it's funny. You guys ever, like, Sarah and I have this really, really unique way of knowing when people are lying. Um, 
And all the youth are like, oh, man. <laughs> and all our old youth are like, yep, mm-hmm, that's right. Um, we have a really good way of, of knowing how our kids are lying and other kids are lying. Lana, she has a tell. As soon as she starts to lie, she goes, <laughs> she does the, t- the chin tuck as well. And then uh, it gets this, like, you know, valley girl look, like, oh, what are you talking about? Um, and, um, yeah, and I, don't, I don't really know Layla's. Layla just, yeah. But it, it, no, they don't. Um, but we had this ability to know when we're like, I know there's something going on. You just need to tell us what it is. We didn't know what was going on. We just knew there was something going on. And, and it was become. It was a point where we would be, we would just say we just look at them. They'd be like just open mouth syndrome and just spill it all out. They would just spill every every drop of it. I'm like, there was a couple times we'd just look at them and we didn't know nothing was going on. They just like this is what I did. This is what I'm like, no, okay, that was that was yeah, that was that was. We figured something was going on, but we didn't know it. But um, but there's times where we need to come to the Father and He just looks at us and. <coughs> And he, we just need to come to the Father, and he looks at us, and we just spill it all. Because what we try to do is we try to go to God all, you know, well, you know, we try to, I've got it all together, God. I just have this one little area that I need to, need to get you to work on for me. But the rest of it, I've got it all together. And he's just like, come to me and just spill it all. Just let it all out, because trying to have it all together is, is really, really, really hard to fake your entire life. And he already knows what's going on. It's like with our kids, it's like, I know, come on, just, just, just let it out because you're just going to, you're just going to get yourself in more trouble. It, it's that way with the father. He looks at us and says, really? You're really just going to stop talking to me? You're not, you're going to pretend you, you haven't done anything wrong. You're going to try to pretend that you've got it all together. And he's just like, if you just let it out, and, and drop the pride a little bit, I can work with you. God gave us scripture to know who we are in his sight. We, we know about a lot about God. We can read about scripture and we, we can learn about who he is. But what we don't realize is most of the time when we're learning about who he is, there's two things about who we are. And so, and so many times we try to, well, I know who God is, and he, he says this about him. And we can cro- quote the healing scriptures, the provision scriptures, the, the, you know, any scripture that we need for that certain situation, but we really don't know who he is. We just know how to quote what he says about it. So we, don't, we know what we're, we're, we're regurgitating what the king has said, but we don't know the father. He gave us scripture to know who we are in his sight to know who we are and how he sees us and how he views us and how he thinks about us and what he says about us. And when you know that, then you know you have his favor and you have his inheritance in every situation that you go into. The situations that you think are hopeless, the situations you think, this is a mountain. He's like, no, my inheritance is going to take care of this. My favor is going to change the situations that you're in. The situations we go through, you ever just needed favor in a situation? You're like, God, I don't know what's going to go on. And then you, you're like, God, I just need favor in this situation. You walk into it and you're like, 
I don't know how that worked out the way it did. I don't know how it did. I was supposed to, I was supposed to be the, on the, the wrong end of the stick, and I walked out of there with favor and blessing. It's because you called on God, uh, you called on the Father, who stepped into his kingly role and said, oh, by the way, I'm going to change that rule for you because I'm the king and I change rules for you. But you called out to the Father and said, Father, I can't do this. I need you to do this for me. You know, when we need healing, we have to call on our inheritance for that. I love David because some of the best scriptures on healing come from David in the Psalms. And one of them is Psalms 32, or chapter 30, verse 2, excuse me. It says, Oh Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. It's not any simpler than that. He's like, I cried out to you, my God, and you healed me. You know, when you need provision, in Genesis, it, Abraham, when he went to sacrifice his son, God gave him a ram instead, and he called it Jehovah Jireh, because this is the place where God provides. This is the place where God shows up when he doesn't look like he's going to show up. This is where the king says, oh, by the way, here's something for you. So when we access God and we call out to God as a, as a son and a daughter to, the, to, the, to our father, because we're no, we know who he is and he, we're known by him, he comes in as a king and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to do this. Princes don't come to their fathers as kings a lot of times. They come to their fathers as a father and then the, as the king makes a, changes something for them. There's still an authority there but they, there's a father and son, a daughter and father relationship that changes what goes on. So God knows us. He knows everything about us. The things that we're thinking right now, the, people, the two people that just said, I need a nap when I get home. No, I, I'll, I don't think I need a nap when I get home. I thought I need a nap when I get home when I woke up this morning. Um, yeah, when I, when I preach, I take a nap. And when Sarah preaches, I take a nap. <laughs> and when, my, when I don't preach, and even when I'm gone, I still take a nap. Sunday is nap day. You know, for me, it's nap day. Sarah, I, she didn't get that memo, but I got that memo. Um, so anyway. Um, knowing God will not change you. I want to say, say this. You can know who he is, but not have a relationship with him. You can look at this scripture and know everything about him that this scripture tells you, but not have a relationship. Because this book only gives you a partial understanding of who he is. And, and if we look at this and say, okay, this is everything that God is going to do, ever has done, and that's all that's going to happen we're, we're limiting who God is because knowing about him and actually know, having a relationship with him are two, two completely separate things. We can know if you can read a book, a history book, and find out what people did and say, oh, I really know a lot about him. You can read this book and say, I really know a lot about God, but not know who he is. You can say, oh, I, I see when he did this or when he did that or when he did this. I see when he led the people of Israel 
out into the promised land. I can see this. I can see when Jesus was, but it's not knowing who he is. It's not a relationship with him. Knowing God will not change you. You will remain the same just by knowing him, knowing about him. But having a relationship with him, a connection of love and intimacy with him and and going to him as a father is what changes us. Knowing of God doesn't change us. I know of a lot of different people. I've read a lot of books on history. I've watched a lot of documentaries on history. I can tell you a lot of things, random facts on a lot of different people, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I know them. It doesn't mean I had a relationship with them. I didn't have a connection with them. Truly knowing him in a relationship is what changes us. That's the only thing that's going to change us is having a relationship with him. Knowing who God is does not unlock what he can do. But knowing who we are in him is what unlocks what we have in inheritance. <coughs> Excuse me. So you can, you can know who God is, but that doesn't unlock what you have. doesn't unlock the inheritance that you have in him. But when you start to find out who you are is when you start to have access to that. You start to realize, wait a minute, this is who he's created to me. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I have access to it. He's the king, he's my father. I have access to his storehouses. I have access to his stables. I have access to his bank vault. I have access to everything that he has is how I get changed. Knowing who we are in him is what unlocks the inheritance for us. Because I can know John, but I've only known John, what, 15 years? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, 15 years. And I know who John is, but I don't know everything about him. I know a lot about him. He tells me some random weird stories, and they're great. But I don't know everything about him. So if I go to John and say, John, this is what I'm going through, and I need this, he's going to be like, "Um, you're my friend. I'll help you out, but you're not my son. You're not my daughter. But if his son, (laughs) or or I should say, if Lincoln comes to him and says, Grandpa... And a couple years ago, goes, Grandpa, I need a new quad. <laughs> John's like, okay, I think I can do that. Don't get any ideas back there. Um, but that access, he, he, by going to God as a son and a daughter, knowing who we are, gives us access to that. Going up to a perfect stranger and saying, hey, I need $1,000, or I'm going through depression right now, I need you to heal me. Mace in the face and then running off. If you think about it, it's crazy. <coughs> but some of us are, ac- are going to God like that. He's like, I know, I, I know who you are, but I don't know you. And you don't really know me. You don't know what I, can, what I have. You don't know how I, how I work. But we go to him and say, oh, I need this. It's that lob of prayer up and it's that... Uh, um, you know, when you're shooting skeet, you just throw it up and you, you uh, spray and pray and hopefully you hit something. Um, it's, it has to come through sitting down and saying, hey, I want to sit at your table. I want to know who you are. When we were 10, 15 years ago, when we first really started doing youth, we would just, like, we would have youth group 
and they would all be out in the garage, and then they would all leave, except for a few of them. And then we would all sit around the dinner table. There's pictures of us when I wasn't gray. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not, that wasn't too long ago either. Um, but pictures of all of us just sitting at, the, at our kitchen table. This is before the addition. This is before we had any, you know, we had two couches or a love seat and a couch, and we didn't have any room. So there would be some people there, and we would just all sit around the dinner table. But what happened is we got to know each other. There was an intimate connection with each other. We knew their struggles. We knew their, 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 their victories. We knew what was good, what was bad. We knew what was going on. And what happened was, is it created a connection. <coughs> and what happened, that connection brought power. So with our connection with God is sitting around the, the dinner table with God, sitting at the table with him and saying, hey, by the way, this is what's going on. Creates connection. He starts to speak into our lives. He starts to give us wisdom into our lives. You guys don't realize, most of you probably don't realize this, but most wisdom in families is given at the dinner table. The, the conversations that we have with our kids at the dinner table are conversations that most people don't want to have with their family because it's awkward. But having those conversations around the dinner table, what happens is our kids know us and we know them. And, they be, and when they become known, they become powerful. And when they realize who they are, the culture in them changes. Our kids became powerful not because of what we did, it's because of what they also did. That relationship had to come from them too. <coughs> so knowing, God, knowing who God is does not unlock our inheritance, but knowing who we are in, in him unlocks everything that we have in him. And so when we look at it, we have to say, okay, God, I want to be part of your kingdom, but not being a son doesn't work. Here's the thing, is with, with God, if you're going to be part of his kingdom, you have to be a son and a daughter. There has to be a responsibility in the kingdom of God is to become a son, become a daughter of him. You can be a beggar at the gates. I, but think about this, a beggar at the gates or a son sitting at the table with him. A beggar might get, uh, might get something thrown to him, a crust of bread, uh, a couple pennies every now and then. But to be a son and a daughter at the table with the father and to sit and to hear him and to have him speak to you. That's, the, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want for every one of you is to have a relationship with him, know, be known and know him. A culture of sonship and an atmosphere of sons knowing the father and being known by him. Let's pray.